0: Hey, Christ community, can you guys help me thank this worship team for leading us this weekend? It's so good. Um, welcome, those of you guys who are here in this room, those of you who are online, those of you who are in the family room. Really glad to be with you in worship this weekend. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, this is fun. I'm getting to be part of this, what, what God's doing here with us. Together, So I'm um, first, happy Father's Day, dads. Uh, great Father's Day weekend, yeah. So um, I'm wearing one of my Father's Day gifts because I got the mail on the day it came, this week, and so like it just made sense, and I'm just feeling dapper up here. It's my favorite brand of shirt, and it's Marie's favorite color on me. So um, my wife dresses me, and we're all the better for it. So, <laughs> so um, Hey, I'm excited about what we're talking about this weekend. Um, Every once in a while, I like to do a character study to pick one of the people who are in the Bible and just kinda look at their life and uh, what we can learn about them, what we can learn about God in relationship to them, what we can take away from that. And so this weekend and next, I wanna do a couple character studies with you. Um, This weekend, I wanna talk about a guy named Thomas. If you've been around church, um, probably the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about him is Doubting Thomas. He was given that nickname. I've talked to several people about the message this weekend. When I said, Hey, I'm going to talk about Thomas, all of them replied back to me, Doubting Thomas. And yeah, you you grew up in church. So um, me too. And that's what he's been to me for all these years. And it's, um, it's, like, it's a fair nickname for him, but he's way more complicated than that, and so I'm really excited for us to kinda walk through what the scripture lets us know about Thomas, and, and really what we see about who God is and, and what you and I can take away from all that. And so, um, Thomas, he was one of Jesus's 12 followers, um, closest guys to Jesus while Jesus walked on this earth, Um, We'll read in a couple of places we're gonna read, the Bible says about him, it says, Thomas, who is also called Didymus. So just so that doesn't catch you off guard, um, his name, Thomas, is Aramaic, which was the language of his region, his day, like that was what most people spoke. And so his name, Thomas, in Aramaic means the twin. And then Didymus was Greek, which was the common trade language of the day, and it's actually the language of the New Testament. And Didymus in Greek means a twin. So evidently he was a twin. And what I've been trying to figure out, and I can't, like, what they name the other one? You know, so like, there's my dad joke of the, of the afternoon. Um, so, so Thomas is this guy that we, we don't get a whole lot about him in the scriptures, but the gospel of John really lets us know the most. And he makes his appearance in three sections of the Gospel of John other than the list of the names of the apostles. And two of those sections happen really close to Jesus' crucifixion. And then the third one happens right after Jesus has raised from the dead. And so I wanna just kinda walk us through those scriptures, those sections of the scripture and point out a couple of things as we go through that. And then I want to end with some things that about Thomas, about Jesus, and about us. So if you're following along with me in the Bible, starting in um, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. So what's going on here in these verses I'm going to read here in just a minute. Um, Jesus and his disciples have been ministering in this region of the nation of Israel called, uh, called Judea. And... Jesus is part of his ministry, I mean, he is, he's ministering to people, he's healing, doing miraculous things, he's teaching and he is engaging with the religious leaders. And when Jesus engages with the religious leaders, he's, he always pokes them because they were hypocrites, they led people astray, they laid burdens on people and did not help them find their way to God in any way and so Jesus had been He'd been poking these religious leaders in Judea, which included the capital city of Jerusalem, so he'd been poking these guys to the point where they actually picked up stones to stone him, meaning they were going to throw rocks at him until he was dead. So like that's, that's the anger that stirred up in them because of who Jesus is, what he was doing, and what he was pointing out in their lives, and so, so these religious leaders had gotten angry to the point where they were ready to throw rocks at Jesus until he was dead, and Jesus and his disciples withdrew from that place, and they went across the Jordan River to a different spot, and they were, they were just kinda hanging out in this different spot, and word comes to Jesus that one of his friends who lives back in Judea, a guy named Lazarus, is sick. So this is Gospel of John chapter 11, starting in verse five, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Lazarus is Mary and Martha, they're brother and sisters. So Jesus loved them. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back. And that sets up this really cool conversation that Jesus has with his disciples about who he is and what ministry looks like and about obedience to our Heavenly Father. And the gist of that whole little cool conversation wound up, yeah, we're going back to Judea where a short while ago they wanted to stone me. So verse 16, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So, so this is a guy that we know is doubting Thomas if you've been around church, but this is, this is the first serious interaction where his, his conviction shows up in the scriptures and just in my Bible underneath that that we may die with him statement, I mean, just guts and commitment. Like he was, he was all in for Jesus and for this band of guys that they'd been traveling, ministering together for a couple years at this point. I mean, his, his level of this is, yep, last, when we left there, they had rocks in their hands and we're going back, so we gotta go back with him. And whatever happens to him is gonna happen to us. And so, so Thomas is this guy, he's got, just, he's just this gutsy dude that has commitment. So that's really the first, that's the first thing we see about him. Second thing is just a couple pages over. This is in John chapter 14. And this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. So Jesus is in, it's the upper room. And this little section of the Gospel of John, it's, it's in chapters 13 through 16, which is known as the upper room discourse, kind of like the Sermon on the Mount is known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the upper room discourse, and this is a very important section of Scripture. Jesus is He knows he's headed to the cross and what he's saying in this little bit is of first importance for his followers. And so he is is communicating important spiritual truth to this this group of of disciples who are with him in this upper room as they celebrate Passover together. And so Jesus is, he's, he's letting them know some things and it is definitely causing fear consternation, anxiety in their hearts as he's communicating with them. So starting in chapter 14, this is what Jesus says to his, to his guys whose hearts are troubled. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So it's this spiritually significant moment. And I'm, I'm betting like the, the room is sort of like it is right now. We're, we're just kind of listening. And, and it's just this, just this moment in Thomas jumps in, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And it's, it's a great question. And he's, he's asking a question, if you read back into chapter 13, it's scriptures are clear, I and mean, like the, the apostle John, who's writing this gospel and was in that room, he kinda lets us know that none of us really knew what, like we, didn't, we couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. Like it just, it hadn't, like the dots had not connected for us yet, the spirit hadn't come, like we, we, didn't, we didn't get it. And Jesus is, is talking to them about, you know where I'm going, you know the way where I'm going, and, and don't be worried about all this. And everybody's just kinda shaking their head at him like they know what he's talking about. And <laughs> I don't know how you are, like if you're sitting in a classroom listening to a teacher, and, and sometimes, like I know how I am, I, if, it doesn't matter, if I don't have any clue about what's going on, I'm gonna sit there and shake my head yes like I know what's going on, and then hopefully in a little bit I'll be able to catch up and figure out what we're talking about. And that's what's going on in this room is that these disciples of Jesus are listening to this spiritually significant moment, and they are shaking their head yes, with no clue about what he's saying. And Thomas asks the question that everybody wants the answer to. And he just says, Jesus, we don't don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way to there? We don't even know where you're going. And I'm so thankful that he asked this question because what comes next is this beautiful, clear, poetic, redemptive statement, I mean, this, this is one of those Bible verses that we teach our kids, that we hang on to, that if somebody's scratching their head, trying to figure out who Jesus is and what difference he can make in their life, this little answer to Thomas's question is the one that we point at. Jesus answered Thomas's question, he says, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm so grateful that he asked that question because if Thomas doesn't ask the question, I don't know that we have this statement. But he was willing in that moment where it was just where it was silent and it was hushed and it was intense to just raise his hand and admit, like, hey, I don't, I don't get this, I don't understand this, we don't know what's happening here, can you help us hear Jesus? And so, and so this is the second interaction really that, that the scripture lets us see to kind of reveal who Thomas is. And again, doubting Thomas and what we're gonna read here in a minute, but willing to ask questions, trying to figure some things out. So it's just a it's beautiful moment about this guy. Then the third major little vignette we get in Thomas where he's a, he's a main figure is after Jesus, has, he has resurrected from the dead. And this is where I wanna spend the rest of our time together. It's in chapter 20 of the Gospel of John starting in verse 21, starting verse 19. So um, Jesus has risen from the dead. Like It was resurrection morning, and this is resurrection evening. So on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. After he'd said this, he showed him his hands and his side the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven, and if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And it's this, it's this incredible moment where, where the resurrected Jesus just walks into, like he just shows up in the room. Like, don't miss that, that the disciples are together and they have the doors locked because they're afraid of the people who just killed their leader. So they're, they're huddled up in this room in fear of what's gonna happen and Jesus just shows up in the room and he says, peace be with you, because he just showed up in the room and he's gotta settle that deal down. Peace be with you. And then he lets them discover that it's really him. Like I'm not a ghost. This is, this is not a vision. This is not an apparition. Like I'm this is me, the resurrected Lord. See my hands? Like this is this is where they put the nails. See my side? This is where they pierced me with that spear. It here I am. And so there's this big celebration of, of the resurrection of Jesus. And and then Jesus does this. He breathes on them and he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And I don't know exactly what, what that was or what was happening in that moment, but what, he's, what he is giving to them is this, is, this is a spiritual, deep, holy moment. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Spirit, and then he tells them, he gives them this spiritual authority that if you forgive anybody's sins, their sins are forgiven, and if you don't forgive them, then they're not forgiven. And and it is just this, this group of now eleven guys, these decide these eleven disciples. There's ten of them in the room at this point. What Jesus has done for them is he has, he has given them spiritual authority, has given them power, he has given them the gift of his spirit, he has commissioned them, and he is sending them out. Okay, so so that. He shows up in the room and all of this happens. Now, we keep reading just a little bit, verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And we do not know where he was. We don't know if he was too scared to even lock himself in that room. We don't know if he was out getting dinner for the group of people who were there in that room. We don't know if he was at work. We don't know, like we just don't know. We have no idea if it was was a a poor reason for being gone or a really good reason for being gone, but Thomas was not in the room when Jesus came, and so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So there's this, they're they're celebrating, the 10 guys, because Judas Iscariot is gone now, and they're, they're celebrating what they have experienced and what they have received. We've seen the Lord, and Thomas did not get to see him. We've seen the Lord and Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So, so I, I'm going with doubting Thomas because that's at least what the American church has been saying for longer than I've been alive. But I think there's way more to it than this. I think he's mad. I think he missed out on something. I think he's frustrated, I think, there's, I think there's something more going on than just, I can't believe in a resurrected Jesus. He, he walked with Jesus for three years. He saw miracle upon miracle by miracle, including people being raised from the dead. He heard Jesus at least three times say, I'm going to be crucified and on the third day, I'm gonna rise again. And he's looking at 10 of the guys he's walked with for the last three years and they're all looking at him and saying, Jesus rose again from the dead. We have seen the Lord. And his statement is, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. So verse 26, a week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them No, the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them. Same deal as the the night he rose from the dead and he said, peace be with you. And then he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Cool thing in this, um, Thomas, when he, I think he falls to his knees. Doesn't say that, but I just, Wouldn't you fall to your knees in that moment? Like I just think he fell to his knees, my Lord and my God. He's the first person in the New Testament to call Jesus God. He's been called Lord to this point, but he is, Thomas is the first one in the New Testament to call Jesus God. And so so he has this, this encounter with Jesus, that puts him on his knees recognizing my Lord and my God. So I think there's a couple things that we can learn from Thomas and this is what's been helpful to me this week. So first thing that we learn from Thomas is there's a difference between I don't know and I will not believe. There's, there's, a, there's a huge difference between trying to understand, trying to figure it out, scratching your head, trying to connect some dots, and declaring what you will and will not do. And that second little piece there on the screen, confusion, pain, disappointment, anger, all messes with our faith and our faith commitments. This does when when we don't understand, when it doesn't make sense to us, when it is like when God does something that we don't think we would have done if we were in his shoes, when when He disappoints us, when He does something that makes us mad, all those. You showed up to everybody else. Like seriously, you walked in, you knew I wasn't in, you are God, you knew I wasn't in that room. You showed up to the room when the other 10 guys were there and I wasn't there. Why didn't I experience, like why'd you do it that way? You know? Confusion, pain, disappointment, anger, it all messes with our faith and our faith commitments. And and so I, again, I go back to doubting but kind of willful doubt, like, yeah, okay, so so unless Jesus shows up the way that, I'm gonna set the conditions on which I'll believe in him. So unless unless I see his hands and touch those nail holes and see his side and put my hand, like, unless that happens, I'm not gonna believe. So Thomas helps us kind of process those places where maybe God hasn't measured up to our expectations. And then there's a couple things about Jesus that are just amazing in this. The first thing about Jesus in this is grace, grace. It's a week later and Jesus just, he recreates the scenario, he just, he just shows up in the room and everybody has the same reaction and then Jesus looks right at Thomas. And Thomas set four conditions on which he would believe. And Jesus, in love and tenderness and grace, met those four conditions. It's like he was listening when Thomas said it. Hey, hey Thomas, see my hands? Here, touch. Aside. Three, four, you going to touch it? Just the grace that that Jesus shows in that moment. He did not owe Thomas any of that. He's the resurrected Lord of lords and King of kings and he does not have to stoop to meet Thomas where he is, but he does because grace, he just meets him where he is. And he challenges him. Says, says, um, stop doubting, believe. And I don't think there's, I know there's not. There's not any condemnation in this. There's not, this isn't, this isn't a shaming moment. This is, he's coaching him up. If you've, if you've ever had a coach of some sort for sports or for music or for at work or if you've ever had a coach, there's a moment where your coach has to look at you and say, hey, listen, that's not the way, this is the way. And this is, this is a coaching moment where Jesus looks at Thomas and he says to him, stop doubting and believe. And, and he's calling him past that, that anger, that hurt, that pain, that frustration, he's calling him past that. Like, come on man, this, like, what you're choosing right now, this I will not believe posture, there's no life in that for you. So, so stop doubting and believe. And then there's this this bigger calling that's that's happening in this moment, because he's he's telling him, believe, believe, and and this is not believe that I'm the resurrected Jesus. Because Thomas is seeing that, right? So so. Once you can see it, it's not faith anymore. And so Jesus has shown up, and he's let Thomas see him, and he's let Thomas touch him, and, and now he says to him, believe. It's not believe that I'm the resurrected Lord. It's like, it's, man, you gotta believe. You, you are a person who, who you're struggling with some stuff, and you're trying to understand and figure out, and then you got willful on me, but I got a future for you. And I'm calling you to be a person of faith. And I'm going to send you, this is is awesome. I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you to go call men and women, boys and girls, to believe in me as the resurrected Jesus, even though they've never seen me. I'm going to give you a chance to go do what you couldn't do. So you got to believe. You got to believe. And so, so in this moment, Jesus has this moment of, it's just, he ministers grace to him and he does not leave him in that spot. Like it's just, it's so kind of Jesus to not leave him there with his arms crossed. He meets him where he is and he calls him up and he calls him forward into this thing. And so, so we learn a lot about Jesus, about who he is and, and how, he, how he meets us in these things. And so here's, I wanna give you four things that I think you and I can take away from this. So the first, for you, for me, I'll just say it, stop doubting and believe. A Couple things going on in my life that I needed to hear that. Like, stop doubting and believe. And maybe you got some stuff going on in your life that you, just, you need to hear that, that little sentence from the Lord, maybe Maybe there's something in your life that is so big that you don't really you're, you're just having a hard time believing that Jesus could, like that he could do that. <laughs> Stop doubting about that and believe. There's no life in doubt. There's no, in willful doubt. There's no life in willful doubt. Maybe maybe you have a you have a sin struggle. You got something going on in your life that just it seems to to dominate you and and you have not been convinced that walking in obedience to what the Lord has for you is better than saying yes to whatever that temptation is. Stop doubting, believe. That, That position of, I just, I just can't see God being bigger than this. I just can't see God being better than this. I'm just I'm going to just gonna stay where I am. I just, just stop doubting and believe. Second thing, I think for us. Jesus says to Thomas, you you're believing because you see something. You you've seen me and you like you're believing because we've been face to face blessed are the people who are gonna believe but haven't seen. So I think you and I, if especially, especially if, you're, if you're feeling the Lord kinda coaching you up a little bit on, on that stop doubting and believe, I, I think you could hear him say to you blessings on you because if you're a believer in Jesus, you haven't seen him. So all of us as believers in Jesus, we fall into that group who have believed without seeing and Jesus pronounces blessing on us. And so I think we can, we can enjoy that blessing that our faith brings and, and let him speak that blessing to you and speak that blessing over you. Enjoy the blessing that your faith without seeing believe, brings to you. Third one, your floor is your floor, not your ceiling. I, I couldn't find a better way to say this. So here's what I mean by this. So, so Thomas with his four conditions and his I will not believe statement. Low point, like that is that is the floor of his faith journey. Right, because like, all right, let's go die with him. Wait a minute, Lord, I don't understand this. Can you flesh this out for us a little bit more? Um, I, I will not believe, like that's the floor of his faith journey and What Jesus does for him is picks him up off the floor, stop doubting, believe, puts him in that first group of people, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and gives Thomas the responsibility of going and declaring the risen Jesus to people who would never see him. And so what Jesus did for Thomas was he gave Thomas the chance to go call people to believe something that when he had the moment to believe it, he was the only one of Jesus's followers who had the moment to believe without seeing. When he had the moment to believe it, he failed. And he leaves Jerusalem after Pentecost to go to the uttermost parts of the earth to call people to do something that he himself when he had the moment could not and did not do. And the reason I say your floor is your floor not your ceiling is because there's this lie that so many of us believe that that integrity or authenticity or something requires us to sit on the sidelines when like that Somehow our worst moment is just, like that's the best we could ask somebody else to come alongside of, and it's Father's Day, and Dad's, you know, as we think about this, like your, your, worst, your worst moments are, like that's not, that's not what you're leading and calling your kids your family towards. That's, your worst moment is not where your leadership, like that's not the ceiling for your leadership, your floor's your floor, it's, it's not the ceiling. And so you and I, it doesn't, we've all failed. We've all failed. And if you have experienced the grace of Jesus, you have been picked up and you've been dusted off and you have been put back in the game and sent forward and just don't believe that lie that your floor is somehow your ceiling. So you can, you can minister to and call people to and lead towards something that when you had your first shot at it, you didn't, you didn't make it. Your floor is your floor, not your ceiling. And this last one. Stop doubting and believe. Because all of us were made for more than what we've currently got going on. All of us were made for more than what we've currently got going on. Thomas, when he left, like, he went, history tells us that Thomas left. Jerusalem after Pentecost and went through what is now, we know, southern Turkey. He went to northern Syria. He went to northern Iran. And seems like he spent most time in southern India. There's, there are men and women, boys and girls all over southern India who know Jesus as their savior because Thomas said yes to this more that Jesus had for him. And history tells us, tradition tells us he was martyred by being speared in the side. Or proclamation of the risen Jesus. So you and I have, there's more. There's more that the Lord has for you. If you'll, if you'll stop doubting that somebody like you could have experience, lead into, go toward, whatever it is, that, on your heart, somebody like you could totally do that because the same Spirit of God that dwelled and empowered, a guy like Thomas, lives inside of you. You're a believer in Jesus. The Bible tells us you're a priest of God, Most High God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you believe that, if if you believe that, you could live, to, live into and experience this more. So I'm gonna pray for you, pray for us, and then just have this moment. band's gonna lead us in worship, and this is really just a chance for you, whatever, whatever that looks like for you today to stop doubting and to believe. So Father, we, we are here in, in grace, you would meet us where we are and call us to where you have for us to go, where purpose and meaning, joy, hope, life can be found. We want that. The thing that holds all of us back. Sometimes that is just hard to, it's hard to say yes to. It's hard to believe that you. Did you have that for us, or that we're mad at you right now, or there's life that if we turned loose, said yes to you, life would actually be better? It's hard to believe. So, so in these next few minutes, pray that you would convince us, and that we would hear you say, "Stop doubting, whatever it is we're doubting, and believe. Whatever it is you want us to believe, so that we can walk into what you have for us. Jesus, all of this comes to us through you. So thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. like somebody to pray with you after we're done here Um, if you're in this room there'll be prayer leaders down front they'd be glad to visit with you if you're online they you hit the prayer request button and um, we'll be glad to be praying with you for those things like to read this little benediction over you as we're dismissed may the grace of the lord jesus christ the love of god the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great Father's Day weekend. See you next week.